0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select... Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline, Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Walk down, Khalil Mack! Welcome back to another episode of Chicago Shuffle, your one and only Chicago Bears podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. The Blue Wire Podcast Network is bringing all of you a bundle of fantastic shows. Head on over to your favorite podcast provider and just search Blue Wire. You're sure to find something on your favorite sports team, pop culture, you name it. Blue Wire has got you covered, so make sure you check that out. Make sure you head on over to Twitter and throw me a follow at Brian Perez NFL. That's Brian with a Y and head over to bearswire.com where I have the privilege of serving as the site's managing editor. And we're providing you guys and gals, Bear fan, Bears fans across the country with daily Chicago Bears news and notes, especially this time of year where training camp is in full swing and the preseason is about to kick off. So make sure you're staying on top of all your Chicago Bears news and notes and rumors and whatnot over at BearsWire.com. And I want to give a special thank you to ShipStation.com, who's our sponsor today. and We'll talk about them in a little more detail later on. But without further ado, let's get this show underway. And once again, we have... The privilege and honor and joy of being joined by Bears Wire superstar contributor, Alyssa Barbieri. You can go over to Twitter and throw her a follow at Alyssa Barbieri. Make sure you're doing that because she's bringing all of her Bears knowledge on a daily basis, along with some other fun and interesting tidbits around pop culture, the pop culture universe. So, Alyssa, welcome back. I know you got home from Bourbonnet. You're back in sunny Florida now. How's it feel to be getting one step closer to? actual football kicking off here we have a a preseason game kicking off on Thursday night the Bears versus the Panthers which we're going to talk about in much more detail in a few minutes but are are the juices starting to flow here football real football well, maybe fake football but actual football about to finally get back on the field how's it making you feel
1: it feels great usually when I'm leaving bourbon it's always it's sad because you have to go back to reality but then it's like oh wait football's coming back. And knowing that there's preseason football this week, real live preseason football where the Bears aren't playing the Bears, it's pretty exciting.
0: It definitely is exciting. And even though the game itself it, you know, is not going to necessarily be a showcase of the superstar talent that the regular season will feature, like Kyle, uh, like uh, Khalil Mack or Mitch Trubisky or Allen Robinson. Those guys aren't going to play, obviously, in this first preseason game, but it still gives Bears fans an opportunity to take a longer look at the depth of this roster. Some of the young players, the guys fighting for that 53-man final roster spot uh, which you know, for me, the the true football scout, that roster building uh, joy and excitement that I get from the game this this is this is just like our Christmas. Being able to watch these guys fight it out for that roster spot, and ultimately, you really get a deeper look into the way Ryan Pace has built this team. Because players that you won't be watching in October and November, that fifty second and fifty third guy on the roster, you'll be able to get to know who those players are and what kind of talent they bring to this team. In this first preseason game and probably throughout the entire Chicago Bears preseason because of Matt Nagy's philosophy and approach to these summer games where he doesn't tend to want to play the starters. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes as well. But before we get into all that, I want to kind of cover these uh, last few days of Bears training camp since we left the Bears universe in our last Chicago Shuffle episode. And Alyssa, one of the, the, the real interesting things that's that's been making its way around Twitter, definitely on Tuesday, but over the last few days, is this narrative surrounding Mitchell Trubisky and his maybe less than thrilling performance at training camp. He's had some good days. He's had some maybe not so great days. But overall, it's it's pretty much been a... Uh, uh, I don't know if you want to say a questionable training camp for him. The critics of Mitch Trubisky, the trolls on Twitter, the people that are obviously hoping he fails, are jumping on every opportunity to uh, retweet or share any kind of negative review from p- people who are at the training camp practices, beat writers, fans in attendance who maybe are sharing information about Trubisky throwing an interception or making a throw that wasn't ideal or uh, necessarily on target. And the critics are seizing those opportunities to essentially knock Trubisky and suggest that, hey, maybe this guy isn't a franchise quarterback. What is your takeaway from the whole Trubisky narrative right now in terms of, A, you were out there and you saw him play. So first, you know, in terms of his practices. So from your first person's perspective, is it fair to say that he's been inconsistent in training camp? And B, what is your overall... Opinion on a player's performance in training camp in general. We'll focus on a quarterback because that's the relevant talking point right now. But should should fans put much stock into how a guy is performing on the practice field in August, or is it just you know much to do about nothing?
1: I don't want to take away from the importance of training camp because it's obviously important for Trubisky and the offense to get out there and get those reps and to continue learning and continue mastering this offense. But I feel like sometimes we can look too, too closely at training camp. Like there's a lot of focus on what he's doing wrong. And I feel like if you were to focus, focus on all the bad throws, then you got to focus on some of the good throws. It feels like people are overlooking that. And you also have to keep in mind that Trubisky's going up against one of the, if not the best defenses in the league, day in and day out. And you're seeing gradual progress, which we started to see this week. He put together a couple of solid practices. He had, I think, his best practice today, from what I was reading on Twitter. So that progress is there. And this is training camp. You know, you can't take too much stock in it, because once we get into the regular season, that's when you want to start seeing that. If he's going to be inconsistent in the regular season and that becomes a common thing, that's when you have to start worrying.
0: And and like you said, I mean, I don't think it can be overstated that Mitch Trubisky, over these last few weeks and over the next several weeks of training camp, what's remaining of the training camp practices, this is arguably the best defense he's going to see all season. He's seeing it right now in August. And in my opinion, that's going to pay dividends when we get into October, November, and December, when he is so used to facing elite, an elite front seven a borderline elite secondary every single day in practice, it's going to make the in-game regular season experience feel almost like a step down, kind of like what we talked about with Bobby Massey going up against Cleo Mack in practice every day. He's not going to face a better pass rusher in the regular season than what he's facing right now. So it's almost the best possible way to prepare yourself for a regular season is by preparing yourself against an opponent that's greater than anything that you'll face over the 16 games between September and December. And the other thing with Mitch Trubisky and these reports of, you know, maybe an interception or throwing into tight coverage or whatever it might be, there are plays or attempts that he's making in practice that are not transferable to or translatable to a regular season play call or decision. For example, if he is in a, you know, a a passing drill and it's one receiver and one defensive back and he is, has no other option but to throw to that receiver running a route and the ball maybe gets intercepted because coverage is great. Well, maybe he wouldn't have made that throw in an actual game. If the receiver was uh, hampered by blanket coverage on the route, there's just in a drill like that, there's nowhere else to throw the ball. There is no second option. There is no progression that he's going to take. So you might read on Twitter that a pass intended for Anthony Miller was intercepted by Kyle Fuller. And it has no context behind it. It's just a one-on-one passing drill, or even in a seven-on-seven setting. You know, he might be told by Matt Nagy and and the offensive coaching staff to take a shot downfield just to force the issue, even if it's not the right decision, even if it's not a play that they would encourage in a regular season game. They're going to want him to experiment and get used to maybe a receiver stride, a receiver's catch radius, how a receiver reacts in coverage, whether a receiver has the ability to high point a ball down the field, making these F eff- making these attempts in practice and they end up as an interception. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad throw or bad attempt or bad play by Mitch Trubisky. It's simply a play in practice, a rep in practice. And practice is exactly what it is. It's there to make improvements. They say the old saying is practice makes perfect. Well, you're not going to know what Javon Wims can do in the back corner of the end zone if he's covered one-on-one unless you try it out in practice. And in some situations, you're going to learn the hard way that he's not going to be able to separate, that he's not going to be able to high point the ball, and it's going to get intercepted. Maybe Anthony Miller can't fight off a of physical coverage in the middle of the field on a specific rep, on a specific play in practice, and it gets intercepted. What that does, what it does for the Bears offense, and more specifically for Mitch Trubisky, is it makes him understand the strengths and weaknesses of the guys he's throwing to. It makes him understand those situations in a real game. If it resulted in an interception in Bears practice, chances are maybe it's not an attempt you want to make in a regular season game because now you know what receivers can win and which receivers will lose in that situation. And you're only going to learn that by taking those shots in practice, even if it's ill-advised, even if it's not a high probability of success. You know, there's not a high probability of success on that particular throw. If I'm the head coach, if I'm the offensive coordinator, if I'm the quarterback coach, I want to see those reps on practice tape because you learn from the interception. It's very hard to learn from success. I mean, it's very hard for a player to learn how to get better if everything they're doing in practice is good enough or above average. It takes a mistake to really learn how to not repeat it. So in practice, if he's making a mistake or two, or the receiver is making a mistake, or the decision to throw into a specific coverage situation is a mistake, in theory, it won't be repeated. Or they'll build upon it. The receiver and quarterback, the chemistry between the two of them, maybe the throw to Anthony Miller in coverage that was intercepted, Miller could say to Trubisky, you know what? On situations like this, put it on my back shoulder. Don't lead me like you did here. Maybe Javon Wim says, put it six inches higher in the air. I can go up and get it even higher. Those are the situations you want to happen in practice. So when Mitch Mitch throws a pick and nobody has any context as to what actually happened on that rep and it gets retweeted, or it's the I told you so's from the Packers and Lions and Vikings fans on Twitter about Trubisky, it's laughable. It really is. It shows a basic misunderstanding of what football practice actually means, what training camp actually means. And it's not like we have a long resume of failure for Mitch Trubisky to say this is the same old Mitch Trubisky. It's not like he's a Mark Sanchez, who after three, four, five years in the NFL, you kind of knew What Mark Sanchez was so by his fourth or fifth training camp, when he's making these erroneous, these these erratic throws and interceptions or whatever reports would come out of training camp, it was expected from Mark Sanchez because he had a body of work that established himself as an inconsistent, below average NFL quarterback. We're not there with Mitch Trubisky, so to suggest that these throws only confirm this preconceived narrative. That really was formed the minute Ryan Pace traded up for the second pick to draft him. Everybody was almost hoping at that point, at least the Bears haters or the beat writers who have almost like an an axe to grind or something. You know, you kind of look for the reason to have your opinion be validated. The people that criticized Ryan Pace for trading up for Mitch Trubisky are looking for a reason to say, see, I told you so. And in some instances, it's going to be on a practice he throws an interception. So I think for Bears fans out there, be very, very careful in terms of what you're reading in terms of practice reports. Keep it in its proper context. Enjoy the highlights that come out. Enjoy the, you know, like the David Montgomery trucking Bears defenders in practice. You know, enjoy Javon Wims making acrobatic catches. That's fun to see the Bears players that are doing well. Be very, very careful, though, to read too deeply into anything that comes out of a practice environment because you really don't know you know, the intent behind the person reporting it. Do you think that's all fair to say, Alyssa, or am I way off base here?
1: No, I think that's completely fair. I mean, people, like you were saying, the people that were against Pace training up to get Trubisky, they're looking to be right. And if they're Bears haters, they're looking to be right. And there's no position that's more criticized than the quarterback position. And Bears fans know that, obviously, quarterback has been a cursed position. It feels like in this franchise. So they're trying to justify, Oh wait, look at a practice throw. Look at him throw these interceptions. Like you said, without context, you can't, they can with a tweet like that, that has no context, they can twist it in whatever way they want to fit their narrative. And that's what, you know, we've been seeing online already.
0: You're a hundred percent right. And that, that is, you know, that, that honestly is probably the most frustrating thing about Twitter, social media in general is you want to be able to have Honest conversation and open dialogue with fans, not only of the Chicago Bears or media, you know, members of the media of the Bears, but also just fan bases in general. And Twitter gives, in, you know, the Twitter tough guy mentality, it gives people an outlet to just spew nonsense. And, you know, if you are a fan of football and you have watched enough football and you've paid attention to the cycle of football and you know, that hype trains are often way off base on either end of the spectrum. A guy is not a, a suddenly an all pro because he's having a great training camp. And a guy is not a washout either because he's having a bad training camp. It's just part of the process. And if you if you focus on what training camp is meant to be, and that is a month or more period of time where guys get together, they get back into football shape, They bond as teammates. They essentially create a theme for the season. They, you know, master the playbook offensively and defensively and on special teams. Coaches tweak some things from a year before players essentially try to jockey for position on a depth chart, which we're going to transition to in a minute. And they're just trying to get better. It's not, it's not a process by which any fan or beat writer should be defining who a player is because of one or two practices or one or two training camps or whatever it might be. You know, they, the old adage is one great game, a career does not make one great season. A career does not make one training camp means literally less than that. So it's important to keep it all in its proper perspective. And honestly, you know, I'll take the words of Matt Nagy over anybody else, right? And when he says Mitch Trubisky's gone from being a student of the offense to being a teacher of the offense, to me, let's get this season started. That's all I need to hear. And speaking of getting the season started, the Chicago Bears released their first unofficial depth chart of the summer in advance of week one's preseason game against the Carolina Panthers. So Alyssa, let's kind of go through this really quick, or maybe not really quick, but kind of take a like a like an overview here. Offense, it's pretty much chalk, you know, wide receivers. We got Taylor Gabriel. I'm going to go right down the depth chart here. Taylor Gabriel, Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, top three, a tight end Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen as his primary backup, right tackle Bobby Massey, right guard Kyle Long, center James Daniels, left guard Cody Whitehair, left tackle Charles Leno, quarterback, obviously Mitch and running back first depth chart. It's Tariq Cohen sitting at the top. Mike Davis is second string and everybody's preseason darling, the one, the the highlighted, you know, take that yellow marker highlighter who everybody can't wait to watch. David Montgomery naturally is third, which is pretty much a rite of passage for a rookie. You look at the depth chart, if you want to, you know, dig even deeper into it, Alyssa, what stands out to you on the offensive side of the ball? Uh, Are there any receivers rated too low Uh, anything that you think is, is a surprise with this first unofficial depth chart?
1: I feel like the depth chart as a whole, obviously most of those starter, pr- starter roles were already filled. Um, but looking just like at the offensive side, um, not really too many surprises. I guess obviously David Montgomery didn't expect him to be obviously on, you know, first team yet. I feel like he'll be building to that. I still feel like come week one that he will be getting those starters carries. Um, looking at the receivers, uh, seeing like Marvin Hall on there on the bubble. Uh, and Jordan Williams-Lambert, they're um, getting a second string right there.
0: Yeah, so so the, so this is what's tricky about these depth charts, how they're laid out, right? Um, when you see a player like Jordan Williams-Lambert, and even, for example, let's see if they do it anywhere else on the depth chart here. Uh, ba, 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 ba. Maybe on de- cornerback, for example, defensive back. Sometimes when there's just too many guys – it'll almost look as if, for example, like Jordan Williams-Lambert as if he is with Javon Wims on the same level. But I think it's really more uh, if you go Javon Wims and Marvin Hall then you drop down to the next level, Jordan Williams-Lambert and Emmanuel Hall. So to me, Williams-Lambert and Emmanuel Hall are the last two guys on the receiver depth chart. Hall obviously being there because of injury, he hasn't been able to get on the field. Um, But yeah, Javon Wims, I, I think he's locked in, Alyssa. I don't see any way... Uh, Wims doesn't make this team. I mean, I don't know if you saw the highlight from practice on, I think it was Tuesday where he looked like a Julio Jones in the back corner of the end zone. It was like Julio Jones meets Odell Beckham with the, and I know it's insane to say that. And before I get the hatred thrown my way on Twitter, uh, asterisk disclaimer, I am not saying Javon Wims is Julio Jones or Odell Beckham. What I'm saying is this one play in practice, back corner of the end zone, the way he basically jumped over Kyle Fuller, reached back with one hand, grabbed the ball out of the air like it was a little Nerf football, and toe-tapped both feet in the back corner of the end zone was, was honestly, it was special. Guys don't just make catches like that. I have a really sneaky feeling, Alyssa, Javon Wims is going to be a lot more productive than anybody thinks right now. You know, players rise out of nowhere more often than we like to assume, right? Anthony Miller has been crowned as that young ascending generation next wide receiver on this team. You know, like Lee Corso says on college football game day, not so fast, my friend, Javon Wims could be that guy. And preseason games are going to be very big to kind of tell that story a little further. But the plays that Javon Wims is making in in training camp, Anthony Miller can't make those plays. He can't. The play Javon Wims made in practice, that catch, if you guys haven't seen it, go on Twitter. It was all over Twitter today. Tuesday, we're recording Tuesday night. So it was all over Twitter. Um, Check out that one rep. It was special. So I think he's a lock. He's making the team. Riley Ridley is a lock. He's making the team. Cordaro Patterson, he's a lock. He's making the team. So Marvin Hall, Tanner Gentry, they're the bubble guys. Alyssa, you saw Marvin Hall up close and personal. What do you think his odds are of of cracking a final roster spot when it's all said and done?
1: I think that if Ryan Pace chooses to go with seven receivers, which I feel like he is, he said he's not going to limit himself. If there's a lot of talent talent at that position – he's not going to say, well, you know, we're only going to carry six. I feel like Marvin Hall has the edge. Uh, Emmanuel Hall has kind of disappointed me this training camp, and I know that he's been nursing an injury. But like coming in, there was so much hype surrounding him, and I was like, okay, let's see this kid go. And he's been sidelined, and even when he's been out there, he hasn't been making the plays that I've been expecting him to. But Marvin Hall, who I really did not see coming, he's been that guy.
0: It's going to be really interesting because I think that that's definitely a – the, the biggest non-kicker positional battle uh, through, throughout the rest of the summer is going to be that Marvin Hall, if Emmanuel Hall gets on the field, you know, Mr. Preseason himself, Tanner Gentry, and maybe Javon Wims. You know, I, I don't want to over overstate Javon Wims right now. It's possible that he's been a great practice player and it won't translate into the games, but... Um, it's going to be really fun to see how this shakes out. On the defensive side of the ball, again, no surprises. I just think the only maybe one, you know, tip of the cap here is to Bilal Nichols for actually cracking the starting lineup in the first depth chart. He's obviously moved ahead of Jonathan Bullard now in the eyes of the coaching staff, but it's pretty much chalked down the line with Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Nichols, Khalil Mack, Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, Leonard Floyd, Kyle Fuller, Clinton Dix, Eddie Jackson, and Prince Amukamara. Mara. As the starting defense and then the top reserves, no real surprises. Maybe, you know, Isaiah Irving is the top uh, edge rusher behind Khalil Mack. Um, You know, Aaron Lynch obviously is there behind Leonard Floyd. Uh, Joel Igwe, you know, I'm not even going to bother. Iggy. Listen. If you could, Alyssa, more power to you if you can do that. Um, he's listed as a second teamer along with Nick Kwi- Kwiatkowski. You know, really, the, the the backup inside linebackers for the Bears are are just not phonetically friendly. So Nick Kwiatkowski, am I butchering that, too? Um, anyway, uh, they're their top inside linebacker reserves. Buster screens, obviously, the uh, the nickel corner. Not a lot of surprises here. On defense, and I and I don't know how much wiggle room there is for these backups who are on the bubble to make that final fifty-three. I feel like the first and second team is pretty much locked in. Uh, so then you get to guys like I, I wrote about some bubble players heading into the Carolina Panthers game. Kylie Fitz is one; uh, he's third teamer right now behind Isaiah Irving. Um, you know, Duke Shelley's listed as a third team corner, but I don't think that's necessarily reflective of his actual role. He's really the backup nickel corner, but just for numbers purposes, it looks like he's a third teamer on this depth chart. And, uh, I don't know. Anybody on defense stand out to you? Anything, any surprises, anything that you think is, you know, a player's overrated, underrated?
1: I don't think so. I think it's pretty much as we expected it to be, especially obviously the starters are locked down and the second team as well.
0: And then the best part of this depth chart, right, is the kicker. I mean, who's ever seen anything like this? The starting kicker, Elliot Fry or Eddie Pinero. They literally have all caps or between Fry and Pinero. That kind of summarizes the entire situation right now on special teams with the Bears. It's all you know, you gotta circle that as the is the highlight as we get into this preseason game with the Carolina Panthers. But before we do that, I want to mention our sponsor today, shipstation.com. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keeps your customers happy. And right now, Chicago Shuffle listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE. That's B-L-U-E. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all of the major major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, US, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. You, you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in blue. That's ShipStation.com. Enter the promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. And in week one of the preseason, Alyssa, there's a lot of guys that are going to have to make ship happen in order to impress GM Ryan Pace, head coach Matt Nagy, uh, and the rest of the decision makers on this roster. So let's just talk about a couple guys you're really excited to see and just the concept of preseason games in general. Give me your two or three names that that you're going to be you know, must see TV in the Alyssa Barbieri household on Thursday night. Who are you most eager to watch? Uh, you know, play in this game.
1: David Montgomery has to be number one. I mean, I feel like we're all itching to see him in live.
0: Alyssa, I think he's number one, number two, number three, number four. I mean, he's he's it, right?
1: He, he's got. He is. I mean, we've seen him what he can do in practice especially when they were doing live tackling and you're like, okay, let's, let's, let's see what he can do in a real game. And I feel like obviously everyone's eyes are going to be glued to him. And Javon wins obviously is another one looking at what he's been able to do in practice. And we want to see that again, translate onto the field. And then obviously the kickers, I mean, let's be real. All all eyes are going to be on them. Both of them as they're both kicking in this game to see, you know, if one of them steps up, if, you know, one of them just absolutely blows it or if it remains dead, even as it has been.
0: God help us all. Alyssa, if the kickers combine to be like one for four, (sighs) God help us all. Because honestly, at that point it is Armageddon. It's, it's, it's chaos. It's anarchy. It is every man for himself, every woman for herself. It is an absolute disaster. Because kicking well in practice means nothing if you can't convert in a game, even if it's just a preseason game. I know they said that both players are going to both kickers are going to play in the game. So they're probably going to just rotate field goal attempts. One guy might get at a little disadvantage because the kicks might be a little deeper, maybe a little against the wind, whatever it might be. But. I mean, just just please make this difficult on Ryan Pace because nobody misses, right? Just make it a difficult decision, or let one guy be a hundred percent and the other guy isn't. But if both of these guys just stink up the joint, I mean, where do we go from here? I don't want to assume pes—I don't want to be pessimistic or assume that there's going to be a negative, you know, outcome here. But if that happens and and there is no real reassurance that one of these guys is it has it can be a gamer. I mean, this is a really bad that would be that'd be the, the worst case scenario because there's nobody on the street that they can just sign right now, maybe Matt Bryant, but he's like 55 years old. I don't know who else or where else they would turn. Maybe they have an eye on the Green Bay Packers training camp. I know there's a kicker competition going there, but that would be a guy that you're not signing until essentially the eve of the regular season. So these guys just have to maintain this momentum and do well. And it's it's crazy to think that we're talking about real football and the kicker, the lonely kicker is what Bears fans need to pay the most attention to. But it's it's right up there. If it's at or near the top of the list. I also think it's important to look at the depth in the secondary. We're not going to see Eddie Jackson or HaHa ha Clinton Dix or Kyle Fuller or Prince of Mookamara so it is very important to see what does Kevin Tolliver look like now in year two? Has he matured? Has he taken that next step in his game? If a guy like Kyle Fuller gets banged up or Prince of Mukumara gets banged up, is Tolliver going to be a reliable coverage guy if his number is called? And Duke Shelley, the rookie, a lot of excitement and buzz around him. How does his game translate into a real, in, you know, a real NFL action? And flipping on the other side of the ball, listen, this team is only going to go as far as the offensive line. That's that's basically old school football one-on-one. If you don't have the big uglies up front, the rest of the team crumbles around it. And we know that the starting five is, is, is top-notch. I mean, I think this Bears offensive line is very underrated, but what's there behind them, right? If Charles Leno goes down, what the hell are the Bears going to do? Cornelius Lucas? TJ Clemmings? Rashad Coward? Are we serious here? Like, it's very hard to find a starting tackle, which means... It's even more difficult to find a good backup tackle because they're just at, it's such a premium position and that the supply is nowhere near the demand. But we do need to see what these guys look like in terms of pass protection, run blocking. Are these guys competent? Are they capable of filling in for even just a series, if not a game or more? You know Cornelius Lucas and Rashad Coward will probably be the starting tackles in this game. I don't think Matt Nagy is going to play any of the starting offensive linemen. Coward especially is a player to keep an eye on because he was billed as potentially the guy who would eventually be Bobby Massey's replacement. That's obviously no longer an active narrative because Massey has resigned on a long-term deal, but Coward's a player who is primed to be the swing tackle. Can he handle it? When you were out at, at training camp, Alyssa, did you take notice of any of these backup linemen? Did anybody stand out by any chance?
1: Uh, watching Alex Bars before he got hurt, uh, obviously having him there backing Cody Whitehair, I think I'll be excited to see him and then Sam Mustafer also going.
0: It's going to be interesting because a lot of those games, a lot of those names like Sam Mustafer, for example, and let me just take a quick look down this depth chart. You got like Ben Broniker at tight end. You know, tight ends another one we haven't really touched on. That's something that, you know, I don't think Burton or Shaheen will play. Maybe they'll play Shaheen, but his injury history suggests that he should rest. You know, Dax Raymond, Ian Bunting, Bronik, Broniker. I think Broniker safe for the final roster, but Bradley Soule. I mean, what's this guy going to look like as a tight end? You know, that, that's a position that's really going to be a focal point as well as preseason because they're probably, if they're going to keep seven receivers, maximum they're going to keep us three tight ends. So there's not going to be a lot of jobs uh, to go around there at that position either. But as we talk about preseason games, Alyssa, and we talk about the guys to watch, we're obviously not mentioning any starters, right? And I don't think we're going to be talking about any starters at all in the preseason. Maybe we'll see Bilal Nichols get reps because he's a young player. And and if they're going to be trusting him as a starter, he needs to have more on-field experience than even he got last year. So I think he could be one of the few exceptions to this. Maybe even Roquan Smith because he didn't have any preseason action last year. He didn't, you know, he didn't have the luxury of kind of breaking in his NFL legs before the regular season started. And I know he's such a critical piece of this team, but reps matter for a young linebacker like him. So maybe he's an exception, to the rule as well but what is your take on Matt Nagy's philosophy of essentially the goal is being healthy in week one it's not about reps in the preseason
1: I agree with him I mean obviously if you're playing your starters in the preseason and we saw this last year um you saw this last year happen um with Leonard Floyd and Adam Shaheen so obviously when your starters get hurt you're like oh my gosh in retrospect why did we play them But then on the flip side, I feel like, like you were saying, for Roquan Smith, and I even feel like, I feel like maybe the second game, I feel like they should put the offense out there, because Mitch Trubisky needs to go out there, and he needs to remember what it's like to get hit, because obviously he's going up against the Bears defense in practice, but he's wearing that orange jersey, and he can't get hit. But I feel like he just, not that I want him to get hit, but I feel like he needs to be in that situation, just to kind of get him ready for the regular season maybe not even more than one series but I mean I agree with Matt Nagy's philosophy keep him healthy regular season is what matters
0: so I, I believe we're gonna have a first here in this new era of Chicago shuffle where Alyssa and I disagree get ready Ooh. Bears fans we disagree here I would not put Mitchell Trubisky Anywhere near the field this preseason, I would wrap him in bubble wrap, sit him up in the luxury box. Don't even have him on the sideline this preseason. God forbid of an outside run play, you know, guys always get crashed into on the sideline. I would have him nowhere near the football field for the simple fact that if Mitchell Trubisky is banged up, tweaks an ankle, you know, sprains a knee, bruises a rib. Forget it on the season. You're not going to win a lot of games with Chase Daniel. You're not going to compete. And I think Trubisky is a tough dude. I don't think he necessarily needs to get hit to kind of get his mind and body ready for the regular season. I think quarterbacks in general are never really used to getting hit because they just the nature of the position is they're not supposed to get hit. So it's it's kind of hard to get a player at that position used to physical contact when the whole goal is to avoid it. I would keep him as far away as possible. And to be completely honest, with David Montgomery, let me tell you something. If he balls out against Carolina, if he has 10 carries for 58 yards and maybe scores a touchdown, I'm shutting him down for the preseason too. I don't need to see anything more from David Montgomery. If he shows me enough against backup Carolina defenders, put him on the shelf for the rest of the preseason. You know who I think should carry the load this preseason? Mike Davis. He's a veteran running back. He's here to basically be the swing backup behind Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery. I have no problem with him getting reps, but even then, why take the chance? Let Ryan Nall get all the carries. Let Kareth White get all the carries. Let these guys do the dirty work. Those guys are fighting for a roster spot. Let them take advantage of the four games. Let them put film out there if they're going to get cut. Let them put film out there so another team can maybe be impressed and sign them, do them a solid, keep these guys off the field. So I understand what you're saying with Trubisky kind of break him in for the regular season, but I I just think the risk outweighs the reward. And ultimately, if the reward and the goal that the bears are looking for this year is a super bowl, Trubisky has to be healthy for September 5th against the green Bay Packers. And any rep that he takes this summer is one rep too many because it's one rep too risky to take a, to take a shot at him and potentially totally sink and tank the season. I know that's a dramatic drastic opinion to have maybe it's based out of fear but at the same time when you can choose there's a choice Matt Nagy can make the choice here it's a voluntary choice play him or not play him the games don't count what in the world is the point so I wouldn't put him anywhere near the field Alyssa we're going to wrap this up in over the next couple minutes here what would you say is a successful preseason performance by the bears this Thursday night? I know it's not about the scoreboard. It's not about winning or losing, but what would make you feel good or not good after Thursday night? What could happen? Give me a couple scenarios that you think bears fans should either hope for or dread.
1: Well, I'm going to kind of go off what you said about the injuries. I'm just going to hope everyone stays healthy, even though I'm, I'm pretty sure we're gonna see all the backups, obviously um and then obviously the kickers it could go great or it could just blow up in everyone's faces, so obviously all eyes are gonna be on there but we'll what's see. a good
0: what's a good kicker performance for you? what makes you satisfied?
1: I would say I mean obviously like Panera went twelve for twelve, so being perfect is good, but then also making some of those long field goals, especially kicking at soldier field obviously if there's a forty three yard field goal and one of them makes it. I feel like Chicago is going to take like a collective sigh of relief.
0: <laughs> God forbid they hit the upright.
1: Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? I mean,
0: but in a way, I mean, this might be sadistic and, and just like horrible, but that would be really funny. I mean, that that would be just like that insane laughter, like, like where you're just so traumatized that you can't do anything but laugh. If these guys hit the upright, I mean, it's just... <laughs> I don't want it to happen, but in a way it's almost like, oh my God, that would be, that would be classic, horrifyingly classic.
1: I mean, it's, it's easy to ignore. Like when they're, when they're missing field goals out in Bourbonnet, that's not soldier field. When you're in that atmosphere and you're in that stadium and they're playing in an actual game and you're, you're fast forwarding and looking ahead to the season. And if you see them blow out, you see them hit uprights. Yeah. I think they'd lose it. The crowd would lose it.
0: So let's hope that there's nothing like that, that like you said, the team stays healthy. We see some flashes from David Montgomery to get us all fired up that we got the next great running back here in Chicago. Let's see a good performance from the guys that are fighting for a roster spot. It's great, natural, just the true essence of football when guys are playing for food on their table. This is what it's all about. And Bears fans, we will be back with another show next week to recap everything that happened in week one of the preseason, to take a look ahead at week two of the preseason, and to obviously cover all the news and notes that happened in between. In the meantime, head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever your favorite podcast provider is and give this show a a nice rating, a review. Let us know what you like, maybe what you don't like. Alyssa and I take... Pay close attention to every review that comes in. We appreciate those of you who have been banging those five stars for us over on iTunes. Keep that coming. Tell a friend, tell two friends or more to subscribe to Chicago Shuffle so that you can get your favorite Chicago Bears podcast anytime we upload a new episode. And we're also going to be doing emergency podcasts here in the event a breaking news story happens. God forbid there's an injury or something worth not waiting a week to come back for our next episode so Bears fans, we appreciate you coming back to Chicago Shuffle. We look, forward to you ta- we look forward to talking to you next week again after getting some actual real Bears football. Let's hope for the best Thursday night, week one of the preseason. And remember, Bears fans, to keep bearing down and come on back to the next episode of Chicago Shuffle.